What's going on guys? It is Cody Wynn, Faith Growth Podcast here, and I want to talk today about uh, a super fun topic for me. It's one of my favorite topics ever to talk about, and it's going to be the topic of preaching the gospel and how to do it effectively. And if you can do what I'm about to mention, then it's going to make gospel preaching way more effective for you and way more um, simple for you. And it's probably actually going to bring more people to Jesus than any other strategy you've ever heard in regards to people winning others to the Lord. Now, not necessarily, I'm not saying it's the only way, this is the um, best way in regards to there's a greatest way, singular greatest way, I don't believe that's mentioned in scripture. But with that being said, there are ways that scripture tells us that we are to and can preach the gospel to people and have different levels of, of uh, um, effectness, effectiveness. Most people don't think about it or, or know that, but it does. I'm going to start with Revelation 12, and it's going to kind of set the, the scene. Well, you know, I'll end with Revelation 12, actually. We'll start in Acts 9, and I'm going to read um, a short portion of this, and then we're going to kind of go a little further. So now Saul, still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters for him from him in the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, talking about the believers, Christians, before they were named Christians, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, a suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell into the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told to you what you must do. Then the men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and thought his eyes were open, but he could see nothing. And though his eyes were open, excuse me, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Then it talks about how, you know, uh, the Lord was speaking to Ananias and had him um, part of, you know, Paul's journey in regards to, to gaining his sight. Now I want to go to Acts chapter 22. Starting out, it says, brethren and fathers, this is Paul speaking, by the way. Hear my defense, which I now offer to you. So he's already born again at this point. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. This is the whole, you know, to the strong, I became strong, to the weak, I became weak, to the Jew, I became Jew, to the Gentile, I became Gentile, Gentile, I became all things, all people, so that I might win some. That's, that's what it's referring to. This is one of the, the examples of what it's referring to, I should say. Verse 3, I am a Jew born uh, in Tarsus in Cilicia, but, but brought up in the city, educated under someone's name, strictly according to the law of our father, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. Persecuted the way, again, the believers, to death, binding and putting both men and women in prison. Also, the high priest of the council of the elders can testify. From them, I also received a letter to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as to be punished, prisoners to be punished. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus at noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell onto the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I said, and he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. 
And those who were uh, with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus and there will be there will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand to those who led me into Damascus. A certain man named Ananias, uh, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked at him. He said to me, the God of our fathers who has appointed you to know his will and to the righteous one to hear the, uh, an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on his name. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And then at that point, you know, he was told that he was supposed to, you know, share the testimony of the Lord. And then he goes on to, to um, share a little bit more of, of the story there. Now we're going to go one more. Don't worry. I know that it probably seems like I'm going nowhere with this, but I promise I am. Now we're going to go uh, to Acts 26. And Paul is standing before King Agrippa. Uh, and he's about to be potentially sentenced to death, uh, or at least a severe persecution at the very, very least. Starting in verse 12, Paul is speaking again. He says, while, while so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw the way of a light of heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And we had fallen on the ground. And when we had all fallen on the ground, I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Get up and stand to your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which have been seen, but which things I will appear to you in the future. Recurring, uh, or rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness into the light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, 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 and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I... I kept declaring both to those of Damascus and all of Jerusalem and then throughout all the regions of Judea, even as the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained from God, uh, having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both of the great, uh, both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets in Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ would suffer and by reason of resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. You great, your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent fetus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, 
Do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. King Agrippa's response here. This is all of that was for this one point. King Agrippa replied, Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. That's so beautiful. And then he goes on, Paul goes on in um, Philippians chapter, it's either two or three, I can't think off the top of my head, as well as Galatians one to share his testimony two more times. What is the point that I'm getting at? Revelation 12, what I told you I wanted to end with and to wrap this up is Revelation 12, Paul says, or excuse me, uh, Jesus says that the enemy will not overcome you in your life by these three things. The blood of the lamb, which has already been done, that's Jesus. The power of your testimony, and you did not love your life even until death. Blood of the Lamb, power of your testimony, you didn't live your life even until death. If these three things are an aspect of your life, the enemy will never overcome you. And I believe as the church, in context of evangelism, that we would be really, really hard-pressed to find a more effective method of presenting the gospel than those three things. Presenting the gospel of Jesus, the, the blood of the Lamb, the power of your testimony. No one can argue your testimony. No one can debate what God has actually done in your life. And then the fact that you didn't love your life until death. Now, that's something that's going to be shown more so with your life than with your words because talk is cheap in that aspect. But um, when you're preaching the gospel to somebody, if you can do these three things, then you're going to um, be in a place where you're able to show somebody the transformation that's happened, especially in a scenario like this where Paul uses such strategical words where he says, King Agrippa, you don't disagree with the prophets, do you? You don't disagree with God, do you? You, don't, you? you know that you've seen the same things that I've seen. You can't tell me that you disagree with that because I know you've seen and experienced the things that I'm talking about in my life. You've experienced that they've happened in my life at least. And his response was, Paul, in a short time, you're going to convince me to become a Christian. How beautiful is that? That from him sharing the gospel, he did all, the, all three of those things. He's on court before trial about potentially going to lose his life. He shared the gospel of Jesus and he shared what Jesus did in his life. Those three things all just played part in Acts 26 here. And I think that we'd be really, really well versed in doing the same thing ourselves. So... I would really consider and ask yourself, you know, what is my testimony and how can I use that testimony to help show other people, persuade other people, convince other people uh, of the goodness of God and how can that lead them to Jesus? Obviously, hopefully we already know the gospel. Uh, that part should be more so easy, I, I believe. But a great way that you can have this conversation with somebody is you just start off by sharing what God's done to you. You don't have to start with the whole Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But you don't have to start with any of that. You can just start with what God did for you. And what that does is it helps people relate to you. It helps people understand and feel like you guys are similar uh, instead of you guys are just worlds apart from each other. Obviously, we're not of this world, uh, although the, we, are, we are in the world. Um, but the point that I, I want to get at is, although that's true, um, that doesn't change anything in regards to what you have to do, what you can do, right? Uh, you're, you're, you're supposed to um, 
be all things to all people like Paul was in this scenario and relate to that person. Remember, this is all in the context of evangelism in the gospel and relating to people. This isn't drink a beer when somebody else is drinking a beer so that they might come to Jesus. This is you relating to them and what they're going through or have gone through. right? Just like Paul is talking with a specifically Jewish dialect speaking to Jews. He's using it because he knows that they'll be more receptive to it, right? If somebody else is talking about, you know, music, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, what kind of music are you into? You know, a non-believer. Like, oh my gosh, I used to love classic rock music. And then I'll just go into my testimony right from there. You can use almost anything and correlate it to your story. Music, sports. Like for me, for sports, like I, I thought I was going to be cool and like by like acting like the rest of the crowd by playing sports. I'm not a, an athlete. So if somebody brings up sports, I can use that as a perfect segue into the gospel. Oh my gosh, I used to play sports too. And then I'd recognize, well, I'm just trying to appease everybody else and not care about anything um, you know, that really matters. But Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying to seek the approval of man or of God? If I'm trying to please man, I can't even be a servant of Christ. So I ended up deciding, wow, it means way more to please an audience of one being God than please all my friends. And then you just go into the gospel, right? Um, somebody talks about food. Oh my gosh, I love food. Uh, you know, and, and then you can just go into a story. Again, I don't know. You can find some story. I can just say, oh my gosh, I take somebody out to dinner all the time. And for the purpose is for showing them that there's something more to this life than just food and drink and job. Like there's more to life and that more is Jesus. And what Jesus did in my life was, boom, into the gospel through my testimony. I mean, you can literally use anything, right? People talk about jobs. Cody, what do you do for a living? Oh, I actually own my own business. Oh, no way. What do you do? Oh, well, well I, I do whatever it is that I do. And then I say, you know, I actually do that so I can fund the full-time ministry that I do. And then I go into explaining full-time ministry and what God's done in my life. All of the things that are said to you in a normal everyday life scenario are all perfect opportunities for you to evangelize to somebody. Now, most of those are going to work with somebody you're already in a conversation with, right? That's not necessarily for a total stranger who you aren't even talking to yet. So what do I do for those people? It's pretty simple still. All I do is I walk up to them and I say, hey, man, is there anything I can pray for you for? And generally they say no. Um, I say, are you sure there's nothing you need God to show up in your life for? No, man, I'm, I'm good. Cool. Well, where are you at with Jesus, man? That's always, at least in this season of my life, how I've started it. Where are you at with Jesus, man? Like, do you believe in him? Do you think it's a fairy tale? Like, where, where are you at with it? And then after that, that'll start the conversation. And then from there, I can either just answer certain questions, comments, concerns that they have, or again, swing right back into my testimony. Here's what God did in my life. And then I just share what God has done for me and, and through me and in me. And, and from that, it leads right back into the gospel and then gives that person an opportunity to respond to that. And I really encourage you um, in your life to, to use that kind of strategy. Because remember, I didn't come up with it. This is a strategy that's found in the gospels, not in my life. Um, like I didn't make it up is what I mean. But from you using this testimony um, that God has given you of salvation, you are going to be able to, in no time, be able to start sharing that with people to show them the hope and the relatability of your life to their life. So hopefully that's a blessing in regards to some strategy in regards to preaching the gospel to people. Um, so, so hopefully it's a blessing. But I appreciate it. If you guys have any questions, as always, feel free to reach out. I'll chat with you all in the next one.